Hi, friends and brothers and sisters. I hope you guys are doing okay. Spiritually, for sure. And in the earthly realm, too. You know, I hope that you got to listen, and I underline listen, to the last episode that we had. It was about rebellion. And the Word has a lot to say about it, and you know that if you listen to it. And it speaks clearly about it, and it tells us about how the Lord feels about it. In just the two chapters that we covered, the word was used over and over again, the word rebellion. And the word of the Lord even tells us not just what doesn't please him, but he goes so far, of course, to tell us what does please him. Okay, so we should be important to do both. If we love him, just like we love our parents or anybody else, we should do what is pleasing to them, not something that upsets them. Okay, but Almighty God, how much more so? So he tells us in and about rebellion and how it's very unpleasing to him, to say the least. But he also says what does please him. So we should focus on that. In 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23, and in Ezekiel chapters 2 and 3, we learned that rebellion is not being subject to rule. In other words, it's lawlessness, okay? It's having a stubborn heart. It's not listening and obeying specifically what God says in one of those passages. In other words, if you are telling somebody something important, especially if you're their authority, they want you to and they expect you to listen and obey and if you love them, that's what you should do. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But if we're stubborn or we're brats or we're rebellious kids or we're whatever, we're not going to listen. We're going to do what we want to do. And that's usually going to be the exact opposite of what our authority and our parents and our God and anybody else that we are supposed to love that we're supposed to be doing with them. So God says, I don't want rebellion. I don't want stubborn hearts. I don't want people that refuse to hear. He says, what I do want is I want people that listen and obey. Not only is that good for God, because his rules are perfect and just, and he is perfect and just and righteous. So we should want to align ourselves with whatever he does and says and tells us to do. But it's blessing for us too. Okay, he says the Lord's delight isn't so much in sacrifices and offerings, although those were good things. He says, but in obeying the voice of the Lord. So first of all, you got to stay in the word because you got to understand and be able to discern God's voice so that you can obey. He even says to obey is better than sacrifice, and that listening is to him better than the fat of rams, and that was the best part of the offering. So not long after posting the previous message, I felt in my heart the Holy Spirit telling me that we need to do a follow-up on that, not just tell you how bad rebellion is and how much God doesn't like it, so if we're cluing in on that and we want to find out, we're going to say, okay, if you don't like that, what is it that you do like so I can do that? Not just stop doing the rebellion, but what can I start doing that will please you? Okay, and he says that 
focusing on what his delight is. And as we mentioned this, he even says it. He says, my delight is not so much in the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, although that's good. He says, but that really is secondary and really means nothing if it is not secondary to listening and obeying. So we're not to rebel, but we, we are to listen and obey. As a matter of fact, listening and obeying is exactly the opposite of rebelling. Now, I've also lately really wanted to find out what, if anything, God's Word says about tattoos. Okay, you see that totally unrelated. Because the tattoos, though, they're so prominent in our culture right now. And because there are, there are professing Christians who have been and are now taking part in this. You know, it's just not normal. It's just not right, you know. And so I thought about it and God was like, just before I began to seek the Lord and to get into the word about what tattoos meant, because I wanted to really find out what was behind it. Was it significant enough to do these things? And if it was, why are you doing it? And, and all this stuff. I just really wanted to know. But you know what? He said, you can do two things at once. You can do this message on what pleases me and what is a delight to me. And that I love when you listen to me. And I love when you obey me. But you can also do the thing about tattoos. You can address them together. So that intrigued me, of course, and since God said that, I wanted to do it, so that's what we're going to do. So let's see where his word takes us. Now, beginning with the word tattoo, as many of you already know, it's found that word only once in the Bible, this particular word. It's in Leviticus 19.28, and it says this, you shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. Okay, so first of all, you could say that making cuts on your body for the dead and tattoos are the same thing because they're in the same sentence together. Or you could say making cuts on your body for the dead is one thing and I don't do that. But I do have tattoos on my body, and I do do that. And God's saying, either way, whether they're together somehow or whether they're two totally different things, he's saying no to both of them. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. Then he says, I am the Lord. In other words, I am telling you this. This is authoritative. Don't do this. Regardless of what you think about it, regardless of what your opinion is, regardless of whether you're trying to pay homage to someone or write a scripture on your arm or something else that you think is a good idea, God is saying, don't do this. And I am the Lord your God. So listen and obey. And that's where two of them come together, at least in the beginning. See that just like a father of a household the head of a household, especially a holy household, sets his house in order and maintains this order. So too, and even more so, does our Heavenly Father do this and with his kingdom also. 
Okay, your employer does the same thing at your workplace. Your teacher does the same thing in the classroom. The police and the governor and the president and everybody, likewise, do so in their spheres or areas of authority. And it's not bad. It's actually good and it's necessary. Of course, if God does it, it is good and it's necessary. Now, just as the Lord tells us that what he takes delight in is our in his supreme authority, our listening and obeying, then we need to pay attention. So how can we obey if we haven't listened to him, right? Like he told Ezekiel, he said, Speak my words to Ezekiel, whether they hear or refuse to hear. So those that actively and intentionally refuse to hear for whatever reason, they can't obey. Are they held accountable for that if they claim they don't know? So how could they obey? Their reasoning might be, yes, because it's the word that was spoken and they have the opportunity to hear it but chose not to. Or they heard it but had the opportunity to listen to it and receive it and obey it but they chose not to. So if in this case the Lord tells us not to tattoo ourselves and we don't listen or don't obey, we're in rebellion and we will be accountable for that in some way or another. Just like any other command we refuse to hear and so can't obey or that we do hear yet choose not to obey, it's the same thing. So this word in Leviticus 19.28, speaking of a tattoo, in this one, in this word, is not a noun, although that counts too, but it's a verb in this sense. And this is intentional, as listening, obeying are verbs also. They're action verbs. They're things we do, okay? They're things we do or don't do, and they're directly tied to obedience and listening, two other things we either do or don't do. Now, the word in Hebrew is... Kethobeth, and it means an imprint or a mark. If you want to verify it, it's the Hebrew word in Strong's Concordance. It's H3793. Please look it up. Now, the Lord says over and over and again, in Ezekiel alone, that rebellion is a refusal to hear. And the same and only Lord tells us not to make any marks or imprints on ourselves, and he takes delight in us listening and obeying him, and that means we shouldn't get or have tattoos. A plus B equals C. Okay, this is not a personal preference or a personal prohibition. Okay, this is the clear and the plain word of God. This is a thus saith the Lord moment. Will we hear and listen and obey, or will we refuse to hear, like those who are in rebellion and have stubborn hearts? Will we walk in loving obedience to our Maker, or will we be found in rebellion, in willing and direct opposition to Him? Now I know, and I know some, and I know of some believers who had tattoos already before they were born again. And I know some who have gotten tattoos 
after they were born again. What about these? Well, if they were done without this knowledge, though the Holy Spirit no doubt spoke to them in their hearts, if they, you know, about that, whether they could hear it, because you have to hear and know the voice of the Lord in order to obey it, the Lord graciously and lovingly, yet firmly, says in Acts 17.30, The times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And that applies to everything he says to do or not to do. Now this verse is referring to our sinful natures in general, of course, but it also speaks to any and all individual sins, pre-salvation or post-salvation. Now we do live in a time where the technology exists to remove tattoos. This is probably costly, and it's probably painful, just as getting one is, but so is the putting on of tattoos, also costly and painful. So if we're willing to spend the money and endure the pain to, to get one, then we should be even more willing to endure the pain and pay the money to remove it. That's seriously worth considering and taking before the Lord and listening to and obeying him rather than people or your own flesh or Satan like Saul did. Remember, he lost his kingdom. But if, after seriously taking it to Jesus and not hearing him tell you that, which I seriously doubt it because it contradicts his word, then it should at least lead you to authentic repentance and let it be a visual reminder, a conviction, not a condemnation, of the cost of rebellion, of not listening and obeying. Then God's instructions to Ezekiel concerning Israel and us, he uses both the words hear and listen, although here far outnumbers listen. Now the odd thing is that both of these English words mean basically the same thing, but they're the same in Hebrew, too, which is strange because the Bible is very consistent in this way, and it usually says one word if it means something and another word if it means or wants to emphasize something else. But here they mean virtually the same thing. Okay? Perhaps they they did it for clarity or emphasis because in English they are sometimes used interchangeably, like I just mentioned, but there is... Um, there's a nuanced, there's a, a subtle but an understood difference between hearing and listening. Okay, now we can be in any environment or um, where there is sound. And we are able to hear just by virtue of being within earshot. And this is an anatomical and a physiological process to hear. But to listen is a little different. It involves intentionality and decision-making and a willfulness, and it involves the mind and the will, okay? It's a conscious choice. Now, when the Lord keeps telling Ezekiel about mankind's rebellion and uh, refusing to hear, he's indicating that they're, they're making a conscious decision involving the will or not to hear, okay? This is not the same as simply being in an environment where there is noise or sound. You can hear that, okay? But it's referring to 
actually it's not referring to, um, the physiological processes that go on and are involved with and within the ear that allow you to hear a sound. Okay, that's not the same thing. But it's referring to the heart. And since you're in a state of rebellion, if you are, God's words are not getting into your heart, your soul. And you're not listening. You're not receiving. You're not heeding or obeying. You've chosen to close yourself off to whatever your creator and willing savior and waiting is saying to you. You're not subjecting yourself to his rule. You're stubborn. Now, I'm not making these things up. This is what the word of God says. And I don't say this to point a finger at you. I'm just speaking the truth from God's word. And if it applies to you, you already know this to be true deep down. You just don't want to acknowledge it, which is human also. As a point of interest and curiosity, I wish that I could go out and survey, I don't know, a hundred more people who have tattoos and legitimately ask them their reasons for having gotten one. I really do. Maybe each one would have a totally different reason, but it's far more likely that there would be a common thread or a consensus. But even if I couldn't detect it right away or at all, I'm sure the Lord would boil it down to some kind of an act of rebellion. Because Leviticus 19.28 again says, You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. Whatever the Lord God of all creation tells us what to do, what not to do, and we do it or don't do it, we're in rebellion. Whenever the Lord God of heaven and earth tells us what not to do, we do it anyway, whether we hear or refuse to hear, we're in rebellion. Rebellion is sin, and our sins are what spare, separate us from God. Ezekiel tells us, if you're not listening and obeying, if you're refusing to hear, if you're stubborn, you're in a state of rebellion against me. You're in opposition to me. We don't have fellowship together. And Isaiah says that our sins separate us from God. Now again, I know of Christians who willingly get tattoos. And they would probably say, in order to honor God. And I'm sure they believe this somewhere, though it's deceit, really, that allows them to make that statement. Why? Because again, Leviticus 19.28, for one thing, says... <laughs> what it says, don't get any tattoos, don't get make any marks on your body, I am the Lord. Because Leviticus 19.28 says that, for one thing, some might respond by saying, oh, that's the Old Testament. It's still the word of the Lord. And when the Lord Jesus said in the New Testament, Matthew 5.17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. No, I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. What he was saying was that just because he fulfilled them, and while and because we could not concerning salvation, it didn't mean that the laws and commandments were done away with. In other words, he was saying, I came to fulfill them because you couldn't, but they're still important. They're still the word of God. You should still obey them. And 
that was concerning salvation. Because if we couldn't do something and he wanted to save us, he had to fulfill them so that through him we could have salvation. But he's not saying like the Ten Commandments. If you want to follow the other logic on the other side, if you want to say, well, if Jesus fulfilled them, then I can do them. You know, I don't have to worry about that. Well, yeah, we do. We should want to. Because Ten Commandments don't go away. And maybe we can't fulfill them all for our salvation. That's what Jesus did. But does that really mean that now that Jesus has fulfilled all the law and the prophets and the commandments, that all of a sudden it's okay to kill? Or it's okay to dishonor our mother and father? Or any of the other commandments? Absolutely not. So don't use that kind of strange logic. Don't let the devil or your voice or your flesh deceive you. Jesus fulfilled them, but he didn't abolish them. And we should still follow them. So even if it's the Old Testament and he says don't do it, we shouldn't do it. Even if we don't understand why, we belong to God. We are his. We were bought with a price. We shouldn't do it. We don't even have the right to, really, without consulting him. And if we consult him, we'll hear from his spirit because his spirit bears witness with his word. And his word says, you shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. And then he emphasizes it by saying, I am the Lord. In other words, I told you this. I'm your authority. Listen to me. Um, some believers, as I said, they, they get a tattoo, a mark, an imprint of a cross, say. Some believers get a tattoo, an imprint, or a mark of a verse or more of Scripture. I know one brother who I met through prison, prison ministry years ago. He lives in another state, and we're, we were great friends. But since he went back up north, and it had been a couple of years and everything, and I used to do Facebook a long time ago, but I don't anymore. But when I did, I saw, you know, I, I, I got, say he shared a picture with other people, and so I got on his thread or whatever, and I saw that he had taken, gotten someone to take a picture of his bare back when he had his shirt pulled up all the way up to his neck, and there was a huge cross on the back of his, on the back of his back. Now, part of him might have been thinking, I'm going to honor my God by putting a tattoo on my back of a cross, not of something else like my girlfriend or a dead person that I want to honor for my family or a flower or even for girls or whatever. But if he really, really, really would have listened to the Spirit who would have told him about this word, he would have said, don't do it. And maybe he heard it and did it anyway. Maybe he refused to hear. I don't know. But those things aren't right. You can convince yourself, I really want to get a tattoo. I still want to get a tattoo. I have other tattoos. I like tattoos. I still want to get a tattoo. But this time I won't do it of sex, drugs, and rock and roll or something else or put a skull on there or anything. You know, I'll do it for the Lord. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll still disobey God. But, I'll, you know, we don't think we're doing that, but we are. So, one idea, like I said, is if it's costly, okay. And if it hurts, okay. That's what it took to get one put on you. But there are ways to get them removed, or at least faded, so they don't scream out something that God doesn't want you to do. So repent. Because it's against his word. And then do your best to get rid of it. That's what I would do.
But the Lord tells us, like I said, I'm sure he thought he did this out of devotion of some kind, but the word says not to tattoo ourselves, regardless of the reason. He doesn't say it's okay in some instances and not okay in other instances. He just don't do it. Now remember, in that same passage of the Bible concerning Saul becoming king and then losing his kingship, the Lord sent Samuel, the prophet, to anoint David as his successor. And in that text, the word says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So you might say, so if the Lord looks on the heart, he sees my devotion and what's on my skin doesn't matter. And in the flesh, that might sound halfway reasonable. But the Lord still says, don't tattoo yourselves. He doesn't mention certain situations when it's okay. Also, lovingly, yet according to Scripture, the New Testament says concerning our bodies, again, though in this context it's focusing on sexual immorality, but it's still our bodies, and it's just as important, and the, and the principle is the same. In 1 Corinthians 6.13, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. So if it's not meant for sexual, sexual immorality, but it's for the Lord, and the Lord says don't get tattoos, then it's not meant for tattoos either. In other words, we were bought by the price, the scripture says, and we need to do what pleases him, not what pleases us. In 1 Corinthians 6 also, but in verses 19 and 20, I'm sure you'll remember this, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The temple of the Holy Spirit, not the temple of you or me. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You might say, but the reason I got the tattoo was to honor the Lord. And that sounds reasonable in the flesh, but not when it contradicts his word that clearly tells us not to tattoo ourselves, not to put any imprints or marks of any kind on ourselves. So, what do I do now? What do you do now? As you see the tattoos on your body, what are you supposed to do now? Let them serve as a reminder of the self and the life that Christ Jesus has saved us and delivered us from. In other words, look at it and say, not in condemnation from the devil, but conviction from the Holy Spirit, and say, I am going to let this remind me of what I shouldn't have done and I repent and I love you Jesus and I won't do this anymore it's my not my body it's yours it was paid for by the price and I need to honor you with my body and when your word says don't do something anything I'm not going to contradict that I'm not going to refuse to hear I'm not going to be in a state of rebellion against you now let it remind you of what Jesus saved you from Okay, Romans 8.28 is a great example of how we can see not that our disobedience 
pleases God. That's not what I'm saying. Not that our rebellion is somehow good. I'm not saying that either. But that the Lord of the universe and Savior of our souls can redeem the wrong we have done. It says, and this is one of my favorite verses, and we know, we know that all things can, it doesn't say can, it says work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. This is really referring to um, things we go through we consider bad or difficult or harmful or unpleasant, okay, like situations or trials or temptations. But in a limited way, it can apply to sin like being in rebellion against God. It's not a good thing. We shouldn't do it. It's not like people say, oh, well, grace covers sin, so we can sin all the more, and grace applies all the more, so that's wonderful. No, 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 no. Paul says, no, we don't do that. That's not, that's faulty logic. But it does mean that since we've done something that displeases the Lord, and it's maybe too late to change it, that God can somehow bring some good about that. Not that it's good for you to have the tattoo, but he can bring the reminder of the life and the sin that he saved you from. And that is a very good thing. And that humble heart attitude that you should have realizing that, and me from other things in my life, I don't have tattoos, but I've done other things wrong too. Um, so we should we should be able to say, well, God... This isn't good at all. It wasn't good. It's never going to be good. So I'm not going to pretend that. But I know that you are so strong and so powerful that you can even take something that's bad and make something good come out of that. And as I said, please don't read this as saying that sin is okay at all. It absolutely is not. Rather... I'm going to repeat it. See that God will redeem it somehow, if it's his will to do so. It may not be. And this verse is speaking to the fact that God is able to bring his good out of our bad. It shouldn't happen. We don't want it to happen, but he's powerful enough to be able to do that. Now, if it's not his will, then it's a reminder for us to do not what we think is good, which is what Saul did, a presumption, and God calls that a sin also but to listen and obey him in all things. The tattoos and imprints and marks, they can be, and they are actually, if you think about it, they're a way to call attention to ourselves. The same can be said for guys who wear earrings. Sorry guys, but that's true. That's a girl thing, okay? When women dress immodestly and inappropriately, they're calling attention to themselves. Whatever they want to tell themselves they're doing, that's what they're doing. Now remember, we, are, we can't call attention to ourselves because we're dead to our old selves. Christ lives in us now. Our old men have died and we are new creations. We've been buried with Christ, brothers and sisters. And when we do things like this, we are calling attention to uh, uh, ourselves, our, 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 ourselves are supposed to be dead. We want to call attention to Christ, not a constant call attention to ourselves. We're calling attention to a nature that is no longer there and a person who is no longer alive in the spiritual sense. 
We're calling attention to an elevating, supposed to be, the one who has graciously and lovingly and powerfully transformed us, which means radically changed us. Okay, Paul was speaking to women, but we all need to listen to this and to obey this passage. 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4. Do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of the hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable, meaning undying or everlasting beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. It's not the earrings, the clothing, the hair, brothers and sisters. It's not tattoos either. Paul also says we have been bought with a price. Remember, the Lord Jesus' blood is that price. We're not our own. We are to honor God in our bodies. The word tells us we are no longer dishonorable vessels, and we've been made honorable vessels, fit for his use. And we should live and dress and speak and act and treat our bodies, which all belong to him, in a way that honors him. Remember, you are in the world, yeah, but you're not of it. Okay, they wear earrings. Guys, they get tattoos. They dress immodestly. Girls, mostly, but guys too. They cut and shave and color their hair in an unnatural manner, guys and girls. We are to be markedly, noticeably different, not like them. Remember, he called us out of the darkness and out of the world into his marvelous light. Now let's reflect that. Let's listen and obey, not watch and listen to the world and copy them. That's world-like. It's not Christ-like, and that's what we're supposed to be. It defeats our purpose as Christians, and it makes no positive impact on those we're supposed to be pointing to our Savior so that they can be made new also. They are to become like us, not us like them. And God says over and over and over to be holy as he is holy, not to be blemished or wrinkled or spotted and stained as the world is. Remember James 1.27, and really, this is a good life verse, especially in these days. It says plainly, too, no misunderstanding, keep yourself unstained from the world. That means don't be like them. They are stained. You are to be unstained. Whatever they do, you don't do. And also, also, I would say this is even very similar, very similar, but better. Ephesians 5.27 says, So that he, Jesus, might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she, us, the church, might be holy and without blemish. The beginning of Romans 12 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living 
sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. The church is to infiltrate the world around us, but instead, many times, the world and Satan are infiltrating the church. It's allowing or letting itself to be, letting itself to be influenced by or negatively transformed or blemished or stained or wrinkled or blotted. And this is the exact opposite of the condition the church should be in and that Christ is presenting to himself when he returns. Rethink your ways. Romans 12.2 also says, but be transformed. That means radically changed by the renewal of your mind, the way you think, so that by testing you may discern and know and understand what the will of God is, what is good to him, what is acceptable to him, what is perfect to him. You've got seeking to do, and you've got work to do, and you've got listening and obeying to do. Whatever the world does, we as Christians should not do, should not engage in, should not listen to, or watch, or dress like, or think like, or act like, or live like. If they take the name of the Lord in vain, OMG, we definitely should not. If they color their hair green, blue, or purple or some other color, we should not. We don't want to cuss, call, our attention, call attention to ourselves. If they cuss and make crude jokes and laugh, we should not. If they sport earrings and nose rings, we should not. If they dress immodestly, we should not. If they get tattoos, we should not. If they do yoga, we should not. The darker the world gets, the easier, the easier it should be to see our light in the midst of it. If you're in the daylight, it's hard to see a single match, right? But if you're in a stadium at night, one lighter or candle is easier to see and necessary to give clarity and to point the way out. If, however, that light diminishes or goes out just like everybody else around it, its light is insufficient because it too will fizzle or go out and will be dark. Remember our Lord Jesus' words in Matthew 5 in verses 13 and 14. He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He said, you in the same way, you're the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill, and that can't be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but it put it on a stand, and it gives light to everybody in the house. So there is to be, as you can see and know, a vast difference between us and the world. But when we adopt their customs and their ways and adopt their influences, we look just like them. And this is not what Christ does when he makes new creations. This does not display his transformative power 
and his work and his love in our lives. It's not what he died for. The world, brothers and sisters, is wrinkled as we once were, blemished as we once were, and stained as we once were. And I say that because they can become like us through Jesus' love and power. And we can't think highly of ourselves as if we were never like that. No, we know darn well we were. He said he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. That she, the church, us, might be holy and without blemish. So we've got to become, be, and remain unstained. So no, we are not to have tattoos or anything else listed alongside it. The Lord is always is right and just in his word and in his ways. And when he said in Leviticus, You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. He is just and right and true in anything else found anywhere else in his word. He is just as true and right and perfect in that statement as he is in anything else in his word. And last but not least... We know that sealing our eternal fate in these last days will be attested to by taking some kind of physical mark. And God says it's going to be noticeable. It's going to be on the forehead or on the hand or wrist in order that we might be able to buy and sell. This must be forsaken and avoided at all costs because we will lose our salvation forever if we do this. So if we're accustomed or used to tattoos and body art already, then what's to keep us from being easily deceived into thinking what's one more mark or imprint or tattoo, especially if it helps me to feed and be fed and to feed my family. That's how we'll probably think about this. That's the kind of thing the enemy will speak to us in our hearts. We must trust in the Lord, Creator and Savior, and depend on Him even more. Not be in rebellion against Him, rejecting His word. Now Samuel told Saul, from the heart of God, when Saul did partly obey, but he also presumed and listened to other people and did what they thought was right instead of what God told him to do, and he did what he thought was okay, and he listened to the wrong people instead of his God, and we can be certainly um, susceptible to doing the same thing, just like, okay, just like Saul was, okay? But God told him through Samuel, he had just made him the first king of Israel, And Samuel said on God's behalf, because you have rejected my word. In other words, you must, you didn't do it, so you rejected it. I have rejected you from being king. And if we reject his word, we will lose the hope of our entrance and dwelling into his kingdom. Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, he says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? 
for the Gentiles, meaning all those who are unsaved, that will probably, most likely, almost definitely, take the mark or the imprint or get that tattoo so that they can buy or sell. They seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But, he says, seek first, or instead, seek first the kingdom of, his, of God and his righteousness. And all these things you need, your food, your shelter, your clothing, they will be given to you. Don't trust the world saying, take another mark, take another imprint, take another tattoo, or your first one. It says, trust God, listen to and obey his word, refuse, don't refuse to hear. Do listen to and obey his ways and not the world and its ways. I say that again, trust God and listen to and obey his word and refuse to hear and listen to and obey the world and its ways. This is direly important. Holy Spirit, please speak to us, all of us. Convict our hearts and lead us in the ways everlasting. Please give us the grace we need, the courage we need, the integrity we need to walk the way you walked, Jesus. Thank you. Again, a reminder from 1 John 2, 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought, meaning is indebted to or obligated to, walk in the same way in which he, Jesus, walked. Amen, friends and brothers and sisters. May it be so in all of our lives. Till next time.